when you have ideas, if you're a little guy and you get into the marketplace and your idea works, you will be ripped off the moment your idea starts to work and you'll be out of business. We learned a tough lesson. It was quite a few years ago now where um, uh, a potential client um, wanted to hire us to well, create a brand. He had a, he had a new business idea. So, uh, and we, we asked him, Hey, you sure? Cause he had a pretty good name. You sure that, um, no one else in the world, uh, has this name. Oh no, I've done all the research. Talk to everybody. We're all set. And we moved forward. Uh, Maria did some great artwork. Um, we created a slogan. We, we created the brand for him. And then, then we have, after we did that work, we're like, we should really check on this. And we checked on it. It took one Google search to say, hey, somebody else, somebody else has this name. All right. So uh, but it was a tough lesson to learn because we put a lot of hours, a lot of hours into that and created great work um, and obviously couldn't use it. And, and then we moved on anyway. But as we as small business owners, we want to know we want you to know we want to help you understand the things you need to know when it comes to intellectual property, copyright trademarking, things like that. So we are not lawyers and we're not experts in that field. But if you are a marketing director or a small business owner, you need to know some of these things or you need to retain somebody that can help you out. So we brought in our go-to lawyer. Here he is, Tom Colson, CEO of Executive IP and co-host of the podcast, Stuff You Should Know About IP. Tom, thanks for joining us. Hey, my, my pleasure. By the way, that story is a great story but it's not a unique story. You know, everybody goes through this. I had this young girl in my life. So I have three daughters that are now 22, 22 and 24. And they I've had one of those houses that like everybody's at all the time. So I've gotten to know all their friends. And one of their girlfriends was had her own clothing brand in high school. She was like a artsy kind of person. And she called it insanity. That was like her thing, right? Insanity. And she must have worked on it for a year and a half. And she came to me one day and she said, hey, you know, Mr. Colson, how can we blow this up? You know, how can we make this thing something great? So I said, well, first, have you searched your name, you know, insanity for clothing? And she said, oh, nobody has it. So I just <laughs> did a quick Google search within, what, 0.78 seconds. I got a company that was using streetwear, insanity. And I told her she starts bawling. Now, she's only 18. So, of course, she doesn't have the the strength and resilience that you three have. But she starts crying right in front of me. I felt terrible because she just never thought about it before. Of course she didn't. She's 18 years old, right? Mm -hmm. But one Google search for 0.47 seconds and I yielded a brand that was already using it in the exact same field and it would have blocked her if she ever became anything, right? And for her, it was a cheap lesson because she's only 18. It took her months to get over this because it was you get you don't just get financially connected to a brand. I mean, yeah, you pay Steve and Jamie and Maria to do all this work, but that's only part of it. It's the emotional connection to the brand that you get. You know, you it's your baby. I've started two companies in my life and I one of them I sold off years ago. I still think of it as my company. Whenever I hear the name in the marketplace, I get a feeling like I have a loss because it's not my business anymore. So I'm sure brand owners feel that way as well. And, you know, you asked Steve, what could they do? Well, there's two, two layers to that. One thing they could do is do a Google search, right? It's free. 
It takes no time at all and just figure out who's out there that's already using your brand. Now, the way trademarks work is you can have two trademarks that are exactly the same on very different products because trademarks all come down to something called likelihood of confusion in the marketplace. So if I'm buying a product that I think I'm buying from one company, but I'm actually buying from another company, that's bad, right? Because I think I'm buying the quality of Toyota. You know, you buy a Toyota and you know, low maintenance, it's going to run for 300,000 miles. I mean, you're getting a great car if you buy a Toyota. But what if some other car company comes out and it's Toyota and you're like, oh, I'll buy that Toyota and it's a terrible car. Well, that's why we have trademark infringement laws, among other reasons, because the marketplace needs to know who we're buying from. But if somebody has Toyota for cars, well, Toyota is different because it's like what you call a famous brand, right? And those are so famous and so popular that it doesn't really matter what your other product is. You're not going to be able to do it. But if you had like uh, uh, another one that's not such like Bocce's, by the way, one of my favorite pizza places in the world, Bocce's Pizza, greatest pizza ever. But if somebody came up with a Bocce's for baseballs, it wouldn't be trademark infringement because nobody's going to think that Bocce's Pizza started making baseballs, right? So if this young girl had insanity for streetwear and we found out that there was like an insanity filmmaking studio or something, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But the product that was that was using the mark was for streetwear. It was exactly the same. So that's what you do first is do a Google search. Just figure out what's out there. Second, you know, talk to an IP lawyer because what they'll do is an actual trademark clearance search, right? And a trademark clearance search means you have a professional that does this stuff all the time. They'll do a search. They'll get the results back. Then, So I have a law firm as well, Colson Law Group. And we have trademark and patent lawyers and that. And I'll have my trademark expert analyze the results to figure out whether or not you're you know, going to be infringing if you go to market. So think about this. It will cost you about $2,500 to do a search and an opinion, $2,500. How much does it cost to hire your firm to do all the marketing work to build this brand before you go to market? How much do we pay you, you know? And if it's a brand that's already taken, number one, we've lost the, your firm's services for fee, right? Number two, we've lost time to market. And number three, we're devastated. We're emotionally crippled over this because we love our brand, right? And we got all excited. We hired a marketing firm. We, you know, we made swag. We're so into this. We told all of our kids, all of our friends, and now we can't use it. So it's like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So Sorry, does, I, I, that, I dominated that, that too much, Steve. <laughs> does that happen then? Okay, so I'm a marketing director of a small business. Hey, we need to re we we need to refresh our brand. Do, do we, no, we, no, not here. Sorry about that, guys. Go right. ahead. We have our I, we have our concept. Then we check check with the lawyer before we go. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so right. So so yeah, Steve. So you're asking. When do we go to the lawyer, right? Like, when do we do this? Because you come up with like, so here's what I would do. And, and by the way, I did this with my company, Executive IP, which is my training company. First thing I wanted to do is make sure I could get the domain name, you know, which isn't that big of a deal these days because 
back in the early days of the internet, your domain name was everything, right? But now you're marketing with social media and people don't even really use, they don't even go to your website without like Googling you first, right? So it's not a huge deal, but the first thing, if you can get the domain name, great. Second, come up with like five names that you really like, narrow it down to the number one, to, you know, put it in order, and then go to your law, your lawyer and basically, or then Google them, start Googling, because that's free, right? That just takes time. So Google it to death, make sure that you know exactly what you've got, make your list. So let's say I want insanity for streetwear. I'm going to Google it and I'm going to find out, wow, there's an insanity for uh, golf balls. There's an insanity for fingernail clippers. There's an insanity for a movie production company. Nothing for streetwear. So now I got insanity, right? And I give my list of other ones. Then I check my other ones that I, the other marks that I like, and I do the same thing. And then I bring those to counsel because they're trained to analyze this and figure it out. And, you know, you might even be able to have a conversation and just, they might even be able to give you some informal guidance. Like I do this with people all the time, mostly friends and family. They'll just call me and I'll give them free advice because as long as they've done all the Googling and I have all the terms in front of me and they've told me what they've received, what I'll say is, okay, I didn't do a search. I don't know what's out there, but based upon what you're telling me, you're probably okay. And then they could go forward if they want, especially if they're a really small business that doesn't have any money yet, because it's going to be $2,500, $3,000 before you get your search and your opinion completed for each name, right? So if you have two or three names, you want to make sure you do as much self-help as you can before you go to the lawyer. Then when you do narrow it down to the one that you like the most, go to the lawyer and, um, you know, find out whether number one, you can get a trademark. Number two, whether you're infringing someone else's trademark, right? Because they're two different questions. But before you even go to the lawyer, you can, if you're, if you're in the marketplace, you can start putting TM, like right in the upper corner after your mark, so that at least you're starting to get time with your own trademark in the event that you can get it. Because remember, trademark usage flow, or I'm sorry, trademark rights flow from usage, not necessarily registration. So in fact, you can't even get a registration unless you've been using it in the marketplace. So first thing to do after you find your name and you've Googled it, you think, okay, this is a pretty good one, is if you're going to use it before you go to council, market with TM. You can't market with circle R because you're not registered, but market with TM. Then at least you're starting to build equity, like you're first. So if somebody comes later and you've already been putting TM, you've got kind of like first in line status, right? Then you go to your lawyer. And by the way, this is if you're putting it on products. You might not even be in the marketplace yet, but or not even just products, but also your advertising material and that sort of thing. Then go to the lawyer, let them do your search, let them do your analysis, spend your 2,500 bucks or so and figure out what you've got. If you're taking this seriously, if you're just goofing around, you and your friends wanted to like try something, it's a different scenario. But if this is your business and you plan on building it and making this your income at some point, it's worth spending the money up front before you even go to your firm and start spending money with brand development to make sure you have a brand that you can actually develop without getting sued for trademark infringement. Okay. What if what if what if I own company XYZ? Um, the name is established. I've been in business for 15 years. I need a refresh. 
a marketing director, or yeah, we bring in a team, we bring in a shovel to sidewalk, or we do it ourselves. And we, we refresh our brand, same name, different uh, look that's more encompassing, and a, a slogan, a slogan that becomes our rallying cry. Do I slogan mark that? What does that mean? How do I protect that? How do I find out if I can keep that? You know, you know, I couldn't just have shovel the sidewalk, just do it, you know, at that, you know, right. So how do I know right. what I can yeah. have? And then how, then how do I protect that? Yeah. I mean, so that's another thing is when you do your refresh, you have to go back to council, right? Because you're going to have new colors, new logos, like a tagline, you know, you're going to have your tagline and all of those things put you in a position where you could get sued for trademark infringement. It's kind of like the only way to avoid getting sued for trademark infringement or patent infringement or copyright infringement is don't do business, right? Because if you're not in the marketplace, no one can mess with you. But we got to do business, right? I mean, we got to make a living. We want to build our passions, build our dreams. Everyone who wants to have their own company, right? So when you guys do the refresh, every time you should at least have a, count, a conversation with counsel. You might not do the trademark search. You might not spend the $1,200 on the trademark search, but counsel can guide you on that, right? You might not do the formal opinion because there's a certain level of risk that we're all willing to take. Nothing is a certainty. Let's say you do your trademark search, you get your legal opinion. The legal opinion is based upon the results of the trademark search, okay? And there's a difference. The trademark search, they're only, you're only paying them a thousand bucks. They're not going to scour the planet, right? They're not going to go into stores and look, look at unregistered marks and everything that could get you. They're going to do a quick and dirty search to see if there's anything obvious out there that's going to cause you a problem. Then the lawyer is going to do an opinion based upon that quick and dirty search. So you're taking a risk even going to market with just doing a quick and dirty search, but it doesn't make sense to spend 30 grand on a scouring the planet trademark search, right? Just doesn't make sense. So you do your Googling. Some people are like, screw it, I'm gonna stop there because there's a level of risk that I'm willing to tolerate, right? Some people say, hey, I've been doing this 15 years. I never even thought to do a search, but I wanna get a formal trademark registration. Okay, now I have to go to a lawyer. But again, for 15 years, you've been managing a certain degree of risk. There is a company in Clarence, New York. Do any of you live in Clarence? I do. You do? Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's now it's Bocce's on, on Goodrich, yep. but it used to be um, the Pizza Inn. Yep. Okay. Remember that place? Yeah, sure. The Pizza yeah. Inn got sued for trademark infringement by a Pizza Inn in Florida that had a federal trademark registration, and they were forced to change their name to the Clarence Pizza Company. I don't know if you remember that. So what they said to themselves is, we're going to, by the way, they probably didn't say this to themselves, but assuming that they knew something about trademarks, they probably, they could have said to themselves, I'm not going to spend the three grand. It's worth the risk. I'm willing to absorb a certain amount of risk. It's a pizza company. I'm in Buffalo, New York. I've looked all around. I eat pizza everywhere. I haven't seen one. So I'm going to, I'm going to just tolerate this amount of risk. Some people are like, I'm not tolerating any risk. I'm insured to the hilt. You know, I have life insurance, disability insurance. I've got E&O insurance. I've got all this stuff because I don't want any risk. So it ultimately comes down to how much risk are you willing to absorb before going to market and hiring your company to do this brand development. And you know what? 30% of the time you might be fine. 
You don't do any work with a lawyer. You go right to you. You start building your brand. You put TM at the top, go to the marketplace, probably be fine 30% of the time. But if you're not fine, if you get stung, it's uncomfortable, it's expensive, it's stressful, it's all that stuff. One of the reasons I hate swimming in the ocean, and believe me, I hate swimming in the ocean, it's because there's sharks, right? The likelihood of me getting attacked by a shark is so low, but the consequences of being attacked are so high that I don't want to be in there, right? So I'll hang out on the beach, I'll look at all the water skiers, but I'm not going in because of my risk tolerance. And it's the same thing with business and trademarks or copyrights or patents or whatever. So when we refresh a, a client's brand, we always tell them, you know, we're not lawyers. This is where the, after interviewing you, your customers, your employees, this is who we think you are. Because a lot, of, a lot of companies have trouble identifying themselves because it's harder when you're on the inside. It's a lot easier for an outsider to come in do the anal analyzing and say, guys, because all businesses have the answers. They just need someone to help them get there. Wait, wait, so, you mean you mean it's hard for a company to understand what they are to the marketplace? Uh, not not as much as that is more. Um, it, no, what they mean to the marketplace, not what they are to the marketplace, who they are. Who are they identified as? What is the perception of the marketplace as who they are? And how can they emotionally connect with the marketplace? Most businesses don't know their own identity. Ah, they, okay, they, they know the product they have. Right. They, they completely understand that. You know, what they don't, what a lot of times they don't understand is how important the why is. People want to connect with people. So right, right. what is their why? So if we can, if we, but that's part of our rebranding process. And it's that, so we rebrand a company we always tell them hey let's make sure that this is good to go so go to your lawyers that's good right. advice isn't it before we hit marketplace with it yeah. let's let's make sure yeah right right but 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 then what hasn't happened yet in 11 years is no one's come back and said hey lawyer said we're out of luck so fortunately we've been we've been good because oh wait wait that would be that would be you're an emotional saying no challenge. lawyer has has said your trademark's already being used? Right. It hasn't happened to us yet. Nice. It's all, it's all but it's stuff. funny because I had the young girl come to me and you had the person in the story from last week where that exact thing happened, right? So I so you know it is it's again risk. What risk am I willing to absorb? Right. I get I I get that. But it would still would be uh because when we bring them the idea and the concept, uh, that means they bought into it. They're like, I love it because we want them. If you don't love it, we don't want you to have it, you know? Right. We, 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 so when, once they love it, it would suck to, to go to the lawyer and the lawyer says, yeah, this is great, but I got bad. I got, right. but it's better, it's better to learn it then than before you, you know, send it, you give it, get the employees involved and go external outside the company and start spending all this extra money on advertising or whatever else you're doing. Yeah, and, so, and, your and the lawyer, and, and it's good news, bad news, right? Good news. Your brand is pretty good because right. other people are using it. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, bad news is other people are using it. Right. But fortunately, I mean, because every, it should never happen when you think about it, because the, what makes you unique from any other law firm besides what you do it's you so if we're telling your story no other law firm has your story because they're not you 
So that's the beauty of small businesses versus big business. Big businesses answer to Wall yeah, that's Street. A great small point, businesses Steve. answer to Main Street. And so people, people, your story, no one has it. Nobody right. in the world has right. your story. That's a great point. That's a yeah. great that's a great niche market for you guys. Yeah, you we, know, telling yeah. the story. You're right because it does. You know, it's, and by the way, with the emergence of um, AI, which by the way to me is way more terrifying than sharks, um, the thing that AI can do, the things AI can do, are almost everything. Like flash forward 15 years and there might not be a role for humanity because there's nothing that we can do that's better than AI. But what we have that AI doesn't have is what you just said, the personal story. You know, in fact, I would say that that becomes 10 times more important because it's the personal stories. It's our life's journey. Right. Nobody can. No AI can mimic my life's journey, even if they say the words it doesn't ring true because it's not their life's journey. And that's what you guys are doing with marketing is helping a company become personalized, which again, we can't, although who knows what AI can do in the future, but it doesn't seem like they'd be able to do that. Right. Not yet. Right. Not we yet, are, but they can, yeah. but they're terrifying. AI is, is terrifying because it can do, I mean, in the future, if you have a choice of having surgery done by a robot or a human, you probably take the robot every day, right? No human error in a robot. I'd rather risk the minor software issues than the trembling hands or the, you know, drinking the night before. Who knows what else, right? Well, even do. automobiles, we won't be driving because no. AI can manage our driving better. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's only going to get better if we can. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to go away. So we've had this discussion internally. We need to, we need to utilize what is used for, for us. It can be an idea creator. If, but it, it cannot develop a, a, a brand. It maybe it can someday. It, it can't know that person the way that small business owner, the way we know that person. And it can't know how they think because only they know how they think. You know, it's, it's when it comes to like uh, in digital marketing, everyone talks about how great digital marketing is, which it is, but it's great because of attribution. And it's a big, it's a pet peeve of ours because there's no such thing as absolute attribution. Maybe someday AI will be able to figure out how you think, but just because we ran a Facebook ad for our client doesn't mean because of that Facebook ad, they got that piece of business, even though the Facebook data shows that that person consumed that particular ad, because we don't know who they, what they talked about the, with their neighbor. We don't know what happened when they went to the grocery store. We don't know who influenced them in their decision-making at all. There is no absolute attribution. Someday, yeah. maybe Tom, someday, maybe AI will be able to figure that out. But right now it, it can't. Right now, Steve, Maria, and Jamie still have jobs. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Good, so, good. So yeah. plus there's score one for the humans and minus for the AI. Yeah. Excellent. It's, it's, oh. You said something important though. <laughs> it, it, is about, it is about humans. People yeah. like to work with or purchase items or services from people. They want human beings. Uh, and, and, and if it is a robotic surgery, by the way, right now, I want a human running that robot. There you go. But, you know, <laughs> even on the phone, like when you make a phone yeah. call to like Verizon or something and you're stuck with the 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 robot attendant and you're just craving a human. 
you know, and I think being able to speak with a human, regardless of where they are in the world, is so much better for humans. And I think that is another opportunity that we have in business over AI, which is the human element. I mean, I don't think AI can replace relationships. You know, I don't think, but I mean, not real relationships, not yet. right? Right. Not yet. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, there's something, unless you trick people into thinking that AI is human, they'd, ra they'd rather communicate with a human who wouldn't. I'd rather be in a relationship, even if it's online and communicating, I'd rather be with a human. So, so I love the mentality that your firm has. That's, you guys are all about telling the human story for yeah, businesses. It's all, it's all because and other questions or other, although it doesn't happen as much anymore, people used to say, well, uh, do you work B2C or, or, or B2B? I'm like, well, we work human to human. It, it doesn't matter. B2B marketing is the same as if it's B2C because people in business and B2B are human beings, just like B2C customers are human beings. It's all yeah, about- B is just a bunch of humans in there, it's humans. right? It's, yeah. uh, but you, now you're going to talk, you might use different language in a B2B than a B2C. But and they have different needs, but- different, yeah, Of course, but, it's all different. Right. Right. It's but the human development of your brand exactly. is something that will speak to both because they're exactly. all people. Exactly. How are you going to connect? So I have a, okay. So, so small business owner, um, um, goes through and they're like, all right, so we, we have a new slogan. We have, we, we hired Maria and they, we have a new, we have a new logo. We have a refreshed brand. We're keeping the same name. We, we contacted Tom and his team and everything looks good for trademarking. Okay. How do I protect? Now, I, I think this idea is really good. Now, obviously, probably no one else has it because it is about me, but I still want to protect it. So what do I do now? How do I protect? What do you mean my... by an idea? Do you mean oh, a great question. brand idea, an innovative idea, a, a great question. written idea? Okay, so let's go to, to I see two things. Okay. I have an idea for the brand itself. Okay, we have, here is our, here's our name. Here is our uh, logo. Here's our slogan. Here's our color. Here's our whole. Here is our um, uh, our whole brand identity. And then the other thing is, we've got this system. I don't know. We've got this system that we use uh, for a product that we create or a service that we create, and we've named it X Y Z. I'm a small business. Big company comes in. They have a hundred lawyers working for them. I outsource my legal. How do I protect myself? Because I think these are this is a great brand identity and these are great it, ideas. Yeah. So so a few things. One is when talking about brand, right? First thing after you've searched it, you have a good brand. Excuse me. Start using it in the marketplace. That's like number one. Mark all your your references to that brand to your to your trademark with a TM. File trademark for a trademark, you know, federally registered trademark and get get a trademark, right? That's that's really obvious. Everybody, everybody should do that. But the most the least obvious thing is the thing you should do the most, which is do the search to make sure that you're not infringing someone else and that eventually you don't put a whole bunch of money into a trademark that you're going to lose. So, but then the ideas though, that's different. And the problem small companies have is they're outgunned at every turn. You know, they don't have in-house IP counsel. They don't have anybody giving them this advice on a day-to-day -day basis. They probably don't even know they need it, right? They don't even know they should be thinking about it. So when you have ideas, if you're a little guy, 
and you get into the marketplace and your idea works, you will be ripped off the moment your idea starts to work and you'll be out of business. You know, um, somebody just came to me yesterday, yesterday morning, and they had this idea, which I won't disclose, but it's basically around the cell phone, right? <clears throat> and they came up with this cool thing that you could do with your set with, uh, you know, commu telecommunications. And they called me because they know that if this thing works, you have Verizon and AT&T, they will take it, offer it for free, and you will be out of business in a heartbeat. So the only thing you have going for you, other than building your brand recognition, which is really difficult for a small business to get, you're not going to get Coca-Cola style brand recognition, right? In a way, your trademark is almost worthless until people know about it, right? So until you have a lot of brand recognition, your trademark doesn't mean anything. You need patent protection. Because that is the one tool that you, it's the one weapon that you can hold over people who are trying to steal your ideas. Because you can't copyright an idea, right? Copyrights are just the written or, or audio or you know visual embodiment of an idea. It's not the idea itself. Patents are the things that small businesses need the most if they're in an innovative field. They need it more than a trademark. Again, because trademarks only matter when your trademark has recognition. Until it has recognition, it could be anything. I mean, look at the trademark Apple. Maybe the stupidest trademark ever made, but it's the most brilliant trademark ever made now because it's got recognition, right? Apples for computers is just stupid. Beatles, it's just a stupid name for a band, right? But it's a brilliant name now. So the trademark value is all about recognition, which is what you guys do. But the patent value, that's valuable independent of recognition. No one even knows who you are. They don't even know about your patent, but your patent can still stop them dead in their tracks. So patent protection is what small companies need to figure out a way to get if they're in an innovate if they're in an innovative field if you're a barber shop or a hairstylist or something you don't need patent protection you need recognition in your community right you need to start doing a social media campaign and and you know put billboards up or whatever but it's all local because you're a barber shop but if you are developing innovation you you got a widget that's pretty cool You've got to be able to protect that thing. Now, one thing you could do is, I mean, as soon as you get to the marketplace, if it can be reverse engineered, you're totally screwed, right? In the in the interim, when you're trying to do partnerships and stuff with people, you can have them sign NDAs, you know, and keep them from disclosing it. But the thing about NDAs is they don't prevent people from unlawfully disclosing your stuff. They just deter people from unlawfully disclosing your confidential information. So it ultimately comes down to patent. So if you have an innovative idea, you know, and 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 don't even really think about filing a provisional patent application without using a lawyer, because those things are just dangerous. You know, you think you have something, you don't, you go to convert it a year later and you didn't draft it right. So you've lost a year and now you're already in the marketplace, which means all your patent rights are burned. So what I would do is call, and I'm not just saying me, Call someone like me because number one, here's the advantage I have. I'm an entrepreneur, right? I've started three companies. I'm running my training company right now. We're in our 10th year and we're probably valued at over $10 million now. 
So I know what it takes to go from my garage out into the marketplace and have employees and the struggles of trying to keep your billion dollar competitors from just destroying you with one step, right? Two, I'm a patent lawyer. So I know all about intellectual property fundamentals and the types of things people should be thinking about. And three, I'm an innovator. I have like five patents to my name. I've written children's books. I've got adult books. So I'm a creator. So I can see it from all different angles. And believe me, I'm not unique. There's a whole bunch of people out there just like me that people can call. But you want to talk to someone who's got all these views of entrepreneurship. You know, the business side, the innovative side, and the legal side all in one brain so that you could just pick their brain. I mean, I get on calls with friends and family for 30 minutes. And just because I do this stuff and I've been doing it now, I'm into like my 30th year. You know, I know stuff that's just normal for me that they've never even thought about because why should they think about it, right? They don't have a law degree. They don't have a patent. They haven't taken the patent bar. They might not have even ever started a company before, right? So these are the things. I mean, if I'm, if I'm a small business, I'm thinking about my trademark, of course, probably common law trademark at first because I don't probably have the money to spend on a federal registration to just put TM. But then I'm thinking about patent protection. Do I have anything that's patentable? And that's going to cost you. I mean, believe me, you're not going to get out for under eight to $10,000 before you've got a pre prepared and filed patent application. Then you got to prosecute the thing over two to three years. That's another four to $5,000. It's expensive. It's not a game for people who are timid about their money, right? But you might have no choice. If you want to get somewhere that's just not a services business. I mean, if you want to do consulting services, you don't need patents. Just go out and do your thing. You want to have a hairstylist or a landscaping business or a restaurant. I mean, these are things you can do without patents. But if you want to be in the product game, be careful. Because IP becomes very dominant in your life very quickly if you're going to get into any kind of product game. Anyway, does that answer that question? That, that, was, that, was, that was, you answered the question and then some, it was awesome. So I think what I, my takeaway is if you're, oh, unless, well, you mentioned restaurant, unless a restaurant creates a new oven that does something specifically, then they would want to. Yeah, they could though. Like that, right? Yeah, they there's could. a lot of restaurant innovation yeah. going on. Right. But you don't need it to have a successful restaurant, right? Right. right you can right, just right. buy products off the shelves yeah. and use them in your restaurant. Yeah. If you come up, I have a friend that that has a wife who has a, like a Colombian or Mexican restaurant, and he came up with this device that makes I don't know chalupas or something super fast, like the corn. No, it's the corn, the corn shell thing, right? A tortilla, like five hours and. His thing only takes an hour. And I got together with him in D.C. recently and I said, dude, you should file a patent application on this and start licensing it out to all these other restaurants. Because if it really does what you say and it saves four hours out of five, everyone's going to want this thing. But you don't have to be an innovator to be a restaurant. You could be an innovator in the theme of your restaurant, you know, in your brand development, in your in your in your uh, customer service, you know in your attracting customers to come into your store, but you don't have to be a patent innovator, you know? Makes sense. That makes complete sense. What, what about, uh, what about, we, we mentioned AI before, you're a content creator. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, who all, say and say someone creates something, they get help from AI. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's maybe they didn't take it word for word, but it helped them and they created some kind of content. Who's who owns that content? Oh, yeah. By the way, they're getting more than just help. Yeah, right. People are using chat GPT to create their content. Yeah. And, and by the way, chat GTP is scary because it creates content really well. You know, I've tried it out just to see how it works. And I've watched it sentence by sentence, forming a well-reasoned five paragraphs right in front of my eyes and it's scary so the question is who owns it right good question it's unclear as to who owns it because it's copyright right at the moment at the moment copyright i, I wrote down the def or what you own here wait a second let me see if i could find it on my sheets of paper i should know this since i create training on copyrights but uh oh yeah it's got to be an original work of authorship by a human okay so in order for copyright in order to have copyright protection you need an original work of authorship that you created and you're human so if i type in a sentence on chat gtp you know paint me a picture of um you know a cow jumping over the moon right it's an original work of authorship but it's not created by a human all I did was give it an unprotectable concept, a cow jumping over a moon. But then it did all the brush strokes or whatever it does to create the cow jumping over the moon. And it's unclear right now who owns the copyright on that throughout the world. Google it and you'll find people are talking about this all the time because some people are saying, oh, should the, the person who created the AI own it? Well, no, because they didn't create an original work of authorship they didn't even have the concept, right? So they shouldn't own it. Should the AI own it? No, because it's not human. And even there's this there's this judge in Australia. I did a podcast on this about a year ago. Judge in Australia agreed that an AI could have uh, inventorship in a patent like a year ago. And I think that's been reversed. And then somebody in South Africa did the same thing. But nobody with any like rational thinking is saying that AI can be a copyright owner or a patent owner today. And so right now it's unclear as to who owns this, but the challenging thing for AI though is there could be copyright infringement going on because I don't know how AI and ChatGPT work. And I think that's owned by Elon Musk and one other guy. Um, it was, um, uh, AI no, wear or something open like AI that. Open AI. AI. Yeah, open AI. And, and I think Elon Musk and one other guy own it. It is. So yes. the thing is, I don't know how it works. But if it's going out, like it uses all the stuff that's available on the web, if it's copying stuff and then utilizing the stuff it's copied to create stuff, well, number one, it's copying, and that might be considered copyright infringement. Number two, it's creating derivative works, arguably, which means a derivative work is taking one copyrighted work and using it as the foundation to make another one. An example is if you see a picture and you make a sculpture from it, a sculpture, or you see a sculpture and you draw a picture from it, or you translate a book from German to English, or, or you fictionalize 
a book, right? Like a, a nonfiction book, you fictionalize it. So you're creating a work from another work. Well, if you go to ChatGPT and say, paint me a landscape in the spirit of Picasso, right? So then they go out and they take all the Picasso works, they kind of get the flavor, and then they create a new work. That's kind of a derivative work, right? Or if I say, give me a story about a lawyer who's down on his luck and becomes a big success in the flavor of Grisham, right? So they do that. Well, one thing is, is it a derivative work that could be copyright infringement? That's an issue that's still out there in the world being considered. You know, the other thing is, are they copying all the original Grisham works to make the new work? I don't know how the mechanisms are of that, but that could be an issue. Another thing is, what if they hold it out as a Grisham book, right? This is a John Grisham novel. Well, that's clearly a problem, right? So, or marketing, like you mentioned earlier, marketing material. People are creating their marketing material utilizing the, the AI systems that are out there. And ChatGPT is the most common, but I'm sure there's going to be, maybe there's already a bunch of others, right? Same kind of thing. Where are they getting the material to create this derivative work? But then you're going to use the work. Do you have a problem? And it's unclear today as to whether you have a problem because it's unclear as to who owns it. But if you ask me, this could be the kind of thing that nobody owns, right? It could be the kind of thing that's public domain. Why? Hmm. Because you're not the author. You're not the original author of it. All you did was say, take a look at my website and create a bunch of stuff. It's not chat GBT because it's not human, right? It's not Elon Musk because he had nothing to do with the creation other than creating the hammers and chisels and all that stuff. It's like a sculptor takes the hammer and chisel and pounds stuff out. The maker, you know, doesn't own that that sculpture, right? So it's unclear as to who owns it. And maybe nobody owns it, which is also a problem because that means other people can copy you. Yeah, that's right? not good. If that's nobody good owns it, that means everybody can use it. Yeah. So now I have stuff that people are using. And I had a friend just yesterday or this morning, he sent me an AI chat thing and he did something that I've done. So I create all these training videos, right? And I have a particular style to me. And I think he said, do this in the style of me. And I'm telling you, it sounds a lot like me. And it's it's scary because number one, I feel like I'm losing my uniqueness, right? What is our self-esteem based upon in life? It's what we do, what we accomplish, what we could do that nobody else can do. That gives us confidence and self-esteem but if ai is doing it holy shit what are we then right so anyway in terms of marketing material and all that and who owns it i don't know as i sit here and i don't think anyone knows today who owns the output of chat gpt i mean i would think for small business that maybe they have a marketing director maybe they are their own marketing director uh, i think besides i just don't think it's a good idea to copy and paste and say, hey, um, you know, hey, Bard, hey, ChatGPT, give me 10 social media posts, copy and paste those posts. I just, they're just going to be like everything else around the world. It's not going to be unique to you. Oh, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's not going to yeah. be unique. It's not yeah. going to have that personal flavor that you're talking right. about. Right. And every one of my training videos and every one of my books, I have personal flavor. My books more than my training material because my books are all about things I've learned in life. But you're right. You're not going to have that personal thing. And I don't know how obvious it is when something's written by AI. I don't think it's obvious enough. Maybe it should be more obvious. But I think you're right. People will get bored 
by AI content, but they won't get bored by content that you create that is personalized to the company. Absolutely. I mean, it's I think your business could really take off because of AI. Interesting. <laughs> you know, because you have an approach that AI doesn't have. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, you know? it's a human approach. It's it's humanizing you brands. Know, <clears throat> one other thing about a, the uh, this AI, the a, the uh, what'd you call it again? The open open AI. It's, it's open AI, but they open create ChatGPT. One of the other challenges right. about open AI is you ask it a question and it utilizes the web to give you the answer. The web is filled with misinformation, you know? Right. And I don't know how smart it is. I look at humans, like I've tried to educate my kids <clears throat> on how you evaluate something to figure out whether it's true. And I, because I'm a lawyer, I cross and I, of my generation where we didn't have, <clears throat> you know, AI and social media and all this misinformation, we're used to being skeptics about everything. So if I see a video that just doesn't look like it makes sense, I'll say it's probably not right. And I'll search around more. But how does AI do that? Like, how do they mimic what I do and other people do to assess whether something's valid or not? There's a lot of misinformation on the web. And if these, but I'm, I mean, Elon Musk is a brilliant guy, right? I'm sure he's thinking about this. If I'm thinking about it, he's thinking about it years ago. So, but still that could be a challenge, right? It could be your your answers could be filled with what is the most popular answers out there and those might not be correct well now now with ai and elon musk has thought about that and he has regrets he was pushing for ar remember ai <clears throat> hold let's have a six-month hold let's figure this out before it gets out of hand and and into and and used for the wrong reasons for bad reasons but the misleading stuff on the web i believe is going to get even more so now because of what you talked about earlier, where your friend created something that sounded or looked in like you because of AI. So now we can create photos and videos that just aren't real. Oh yeah. And you think, Oh, that, that looks real. Yeah. I, I, people can, people, you can <coughs> now be someone now you're out, you're all over the internet. Someone can now record, grab your voice, call a loved one and, and, and set right, it up yeah. so that it's from you. It's from yeah, or top. or or they could take a politician yeah. and have them say something that they never said. Yeah, you know. Yes. And you know what else happens? Since I'm a divorced guy, I'm dating a lot. People are putting up fake pictures, right? Like they're perfect. The pictures. Then you show up and you're like, whoa, whoa, you know. So who who knows what the dating world's going to become? Great point. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's a good... good note to end on. Yeah, that is a good note. Uh, hey, man, I appreciate your full of knowledge. It's it's awesome and energy and your passion for what you do is appreciated. And uh, it comes out within seconds. So yeah, my know, pleasure. It's fun. Yeah, but I know you're a busy guy. Thanks, man. Thanks for the insight. I, I, uh, it was great. We, we learned a lot um, and hopefully it helped everyone out there as well. So Tom Colson, CEO of Executive IP. Um, but check out his podcast. Uh, you and Ray do the podcast. Stuff yeah, Ray, should, yeah, it's fun. Stuff you should know about IP. Um, every small it. business owner should know a little bit about IP. Okay. Absolutely. So let's, let's be safe. All right, man. Thanks, Tom. Thanks.